Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my health and wellness goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love Daily Harvest. They take the planning, prep, and cleanup out of cooking by delivering my favorite veggie and fruit-packed options straight to my door. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep. When I need a quick window opener, I might reach for the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. And when I'm looking for a delicious way to close my window, there's nothing better than the apple and spiced oat bites. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com slash ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com slash ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. dailyharvest.com slash ifstories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. everybody and welcome to episode 343 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today I'm here with Rose A.J. Coates. Rose A.J. lives in Tacoma, Washington, and she is a lifelong learner and an adventurer. Welcome, Rose A.J. Thank you, Jen. I'm so excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm still so excited to be here. I have the best job in the world. I get to talk to amazing people from all over the country and the world. And like, this is work? What? For real. (laughs) It's like I'm having coffee with a friend every day. I'm so, so fortunate. But also, I love the way you describe yourself as a lifelong learner and an adventurer, because I want that to always describe me as well. Oh, nice. It took me a while to arrive at this point, but now that I'm here, I'm not giving up that title for anything. Well, as we get older, and I'm not sure how old you are, are you willing to share that? Sure. I'm 55. I'll be 56 in September. Okay. Well, I'll about to turn 54. So we're at the same stage. I feel like once we get to a certain age, (laughs) (laughs) as I got up in my upper 40s and, and beyond, we want to live the life that we want to live. Things that used to be important to us in our 30s, the big house, the nice stuff, the whatever, suddenly we're like, oh, wait, other things are important. Yeah. So I love it. As we get older, we get wiser without a doubt. Yes. I think I'm wise, but not wise this yet. Well, we got more (laughs) wisdom to go. I plan to live for at least another 50 years. So we're just halfway there. Amen, sister. Amen. (laughs) Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? All right. So what brought me to intermittent fasting is I had reached my rock bottom in June of 2018 and 
I was like giving up on losing weight. And then I had a whisper that said, give it one more try. So with that, I started a rabbit hole of research, which I'm really, really good at. It's a part of my addiction, right? And I learned about the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting. But first I went through learning about exogenous ketones and that's how I got hooked on the train. I'm thinking back to when that was, and you know, I was running the Facebook groups at that time. And you're exactly right. 2018 was when Keto had been around a while. Intermittent fasting had been around a while. But I really think when Jason Fung wrote The Obesity Code, all of a sudden, like, he was widely embraced by the low-carb keto community. And so fasting and keto all of a sudden went together like peanut butter and jelly, although neither of those are keto. But (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? But that was also the time that exogenous ketones started to come out. And people were like, oh, we want to be in ketosis. Let's buy some ketosis. Sounded good at the time. Right. And I was on that train, Jen, to be quite honest, the exogenous ketones. It's kind of like being well-educated doesn't mean that the person is very smart. So I was well-versed, well-educated in the diet industry, but I still fell hook, line, and sinker for this, right? And I spent thousands upon thousands upon thousands of dollars on these ketones thinking I could just drink this and my weight would magically disappear. Right? That is how they sold them. I remember back in the day when we, it was probably 2019 when we started meeting for our Augusta coffee group. We met at the Starbucks in Augusta and we met every Saturday morning at nine, but there was also another group that met there and they were exogenous ketone people. And we wanted so bad to go over there and say, join us instead. It's free. Right, right. <laughs> Make your own ketones like nature intended. Naturally. <laughs> but yeah, I get it. Look, I get it. You know from my story that I wanted to buy weight loss too. Everything Dr. Oz was selling on his show, I don't even know, does he still have his show? But Everything he was selling, I'm like, well, I'm buying that green coffee bean extract or whatever it was. I'm getting it. <laughs> yes, yes. So that got you to the idea of you know keto and intermittent fasting. So how did you start off with that? So I was a hot mess. Oh, my word. I was a hot mess because can I give you a little bit of backstory? Please um, do. Okay. So my abnormal eating or my eating addiction started as early as three and a half because of childhood abuse. And that was from like three to around 17. And I'm so um, sorry. Thank you. And all through middle school and high school, I would just eat like tons and tons and tons of fast food junk. I would never eat real food, right? I had suicidal tendencies when I was younger, just the whole nine. And being an African-American person in general, during the time that I was growing up, it's like what happened in this home stays in this home. And I just tried to tell my story to like a counselor. I tried to tell family members and they didn't want to hear it. So I became the black sheep of the family, the messed up one, right? But I was fortunate enough to think that food was my outlet because it could have easily been drugs and other things. So on that scale, my food addiction just grew and grew and grew. And I related to people, everything through food. I don't know if you can identify with that. Well, first of all, Rose AJ, I just want to go back in time and give little Rose AJ a big hug. It makes me think back to my teaching career. And I had a student in 1993. She felt that she could confide in me. So you're bringing back a lot for me. And thank you for for sharing your story because, you know, the girls and boys out there of the world need to have someone they can talk to. And I'm sorry that you did not, but I completely understand turning to food because you're confused. Three and a half years old, all the way up to age 17, you're in the world. It's a scary place. You want to find the comfort where you can. I am so glad it was food and not drugs. Exactly. Exactly. So thank you for that, Jen. So even when I was babysitting, like, you know, we get our jobs around 12, 13, 14, babysitting little kids and stuff. I remember like raiding the pantry, eating all the cookies. I wasn't watching the kids. I was eating the dry cereal, eating all the food and the parent would come home and I'd be like, oh, well, I don't know what happened. But all of that throughout my childhood, I first was exposed to dieting with two of my cousins. We decided we were kind of like overweight and we decided to try starving ourselves literally 
And of course it didn't work. It didn't last beyond a day. And then I started the cycle of binging and restricting, binging and restricting. It was TAB back in those days, Dexatrim and Xlax. Those were my combination as far as getting through the moments. And I remember that my weight kind of like stabilized at 180. And the reason I remember that was because I wanted to join the military. And, you know, you had to go through the testing, but I had to lose weight. They wanted me down to 161 pounds, Jen. I okay. never. How tall I, are you? I'm six feet. I'm okay. six feet. So I never could drop below 180. So that's how I know that that's my set point, whatever, and all that good stuff. So fast forward, I'm 18. I've left home, so to speak. And I end up marrying my husband after three and a half months of meeting him. It was, you know, two kids just getting together. We're still married. Well, congratulations on that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. And I had my daughter when I was about 20. So during all this time, I was still food obsessed. My weight pretty much stabilized at 180. But as soon as I got pregnant, I was eating like three breakfasts, three lunches, just eating, 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 eating. After I had my daughter, my scale was at 300, Jen, and it stayed there. It might have went over that. I don't know, but it just went up to 300. And as soon as I had her, I went back to the Dexatrim, back to the X-Lax, all those poor behaviors, restricting eating a can of green beans. And I never really lost any weight until I want to say around 2008, 10, somewhere up in there, I decided to go get several certifications, learn how to eat and, you know, the standard American diet, count your calories. So I became very obsessed in with counting calories. Oh, I get it. Oh, uh, you know, I did I, that too. <laughs> Well, mathematically, it makes so much sense. You're like, oh, I get it. This is what my body burns. I can calculate it. And there's so many flaws in that formula. (laughs) But yes. But this is what I want to tell you. It worked. I took a year and a half off from the scale. And I said, well, I'm just going to figure out what's causing me to eat. I knew what was causing me to eat. The depression, the childhood issues, just on and on and on. So when I finally dropped enough weight to maybe about 200 pounds, so I was a member at 300. So I had dropped about 110. But this is the deal. It took a year and a half, Jen. But I was still obsessed. I was like writing down back in the day before the apps. I was writing down everything that I Did ate. Did you have a little notebook? Yes. I always had the little notebook. Yep, it could go in my purse. Uh Even with that, and I had discovered exercise when I was about 20, but what I didn't make the connection was is that the exercise, I felt really good after and during the exercise. It was providing stress relief and the endorphins, but I didn't understand that then. But that became an obsession of mine too. Right. So overworking out, overrunning the whole nine. I was even on Joy Bauer, the Today Show, a couple of times. But oh, wow. um, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I ate Snickers. I did everything under the sun. So long as the calories added up. I so was they had you it. on there to talk about your weight loss mm-hmm. with the, the eat less, move more. Yeah. On steroids. Yeah, but it was such a farce. I was severely undereducated, and they just wanted people on the show that supposedly lost X amount of weight. You know what I'm saying? So I was still eating the Snickers, still addicted to them. I went from a king size to a regular size. But I was like, how ridiculous is that now looking back, right? Those are not my foods. So even with the obsession, so around 2018, I just had hit a rock bottom, my weight, my weight, my mental wellness. And I was like, what am I paying this mortgage for? Why am I working so hard on and on and on? So I had hit an all time low as far as my mental wellness. And the reason I keep bringing that up is, is because I didn't realize that just by changing the foods that I ate and the amount of foods, you know, the amount of times a day that I ate, that would help improve my mental wellness. Now, I never went for counseling. I never was on medication. I was never formally diagnosed, but I read a lot. 
I probably overwhelm myself with information to kind of help myself. Does that make sense? I'm the same way. When I'm interested in something, I devour it. I look for all the sources. I read all of them. And then like they're all contradictory and that makes it even harder. But I try to make sense of what I'm finding. I get it completely. Yeah. So that was my way from childhood on of helping myself when nobody else could help me. At that point in 2018, you were doing some research. You were overwhelming yourself. What rabbit holes were you going down at that point? Well, something, a voice inside of me said, just give it one more chance give it one that kept whispering. Right. But I also had the voice. I don't know if you believe in higher power. Absolutely. But, you know, God was telling me that if I tried to make it to my 30 year end of service retirement, Jen, that I wouldn't make it. I would enter the next seven years in a dark depression that would be so deep that I couldn't get out. Right. So I listened, I made preparations and left service in April of 2019. I didn't know how I was going to make it financially. We paid off the house. That was the biggest thing. I just wanted that paid off before I left. But Jen, this is what I want to tell you. I ended up cashing in my retirement so that I could live five years without having to worry about work and to just focus on myself, right? And I don't want people to have to ever reach that point in their life, right? Because realistically, I'm going to have to work you know, in a second career in order to build that retirement or whatever. But it was worth it. It Your was mental really wellness, worth it. right? Yes. You know, I totally get yes, it. it. You needed seven it. more years to get to that 30, but seven years feels like, like I can remember the minute. I mean, I loved teaching. Don't get me wrong. I loved it. But the minute I knew I needed to go, that last year that I did, I had to get to the end of that year. You're 28. I did it. I got to the end of the year, but it was before that I was fine that last year. If I had had to go seven more years, I don't think I physically could have done it. Did you know there's a connection between nutrition and optimal hormone function? Magnesium is involved in more than 300 biochemical reactions in your body. A magnesium deficiency can disrupt your thyroid hormones, pancreatic hormones, and sex hormones, leading to suboptimal health. Bioptimizer's Magnesium Breakthrough is the only supplement on the market that offers all seven key forms of magnesium specially formulated to reach every tissue in your body. I'd recommend giving Magnesium Breakthrough a try. They are so confident that they offer a 365-day money-back guarantee. For an exclusive offer, go to buyoptimizers.com slash ifstories and use the promo code ifstories10 during checkout to save 10%. And if you subscribe, not only will you get an amazing discount and free gifts, you will make sure that your monthly supply is guaranteed. That's buyoptimizers.com slash ifstories. And don't forget to use the promo code ifstories10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. Yes. Yeah. Our mental health is so important. Like quality of life, that's why we're here to enjoy our life. So I'm I'm glad that you got out of something that felt wrong for your soul. Yes. But Jen, 2018, December 2018, December 2nd, okay. Hot Mess Express. And let me tell you, girl, I tried the two or three meals a day. I understood about you know, start at 12, 12. I was just talking myself through it. Let's start at 12 hours a day, 12 hours of not eating. I could deal with that. But what I found out was very, very, very quickly, because I was still over exercising and running and all that stuff. I found out very quickly that I was still obsessed. Like when's my next meal? What time am I going to eat? So I went very quickly to OMAD. So I could have that volume be done with it and get on with life. So 
I moved to OMAD almost right away and I discovered your book, Delay, Don't Deny, and I'm still obsessed with it. Oh, I love that. In January of 2019. And I was like, oh, she is so wrong. What does she mean? I can't have artificial sweeteners. Everything we know about calorie counting tells us artificial sweeteners are zero calories, and that's perfect. Right. (laughs) So I was just like, okay, she knows something I don't. She knows something I don't. And I'm taking this deep breath. And I, February 1st, I gave up my, the equal that I used to have in my black coffee. So it wasn't that hard of a transition, but I was like, she is wrong. She is wrong. And I was still drinking exogenous ketones. So it took a while for me to get out of the diety paradigm and to get on board with the clean fast. It did take me about four to six months to finally arrive. But once I arrived, things started getting better. I was still going through different courses to learn about me. And what I found out was, is yes, I'm a food addict. Yes, I'm addicted to sugar. Yes, I'm addicted, you know, all these things, these cross addictions. Once I understood that, things started calming down and how intermittent fasting helped me is because in general, I am very, very disciplined. If I understand what the roadmap is or the assignment is for myself and otherwise I can hone in. Right. But with fasting, I was like, Oh, there's workarounds, there's workarounds. Right. But how (laughs) fasting helped me with my mental wellness and for me to get my ish, I like to call it ish together is it gave me a block of time. Okay, if you're eating OMAD and you're giving yourself three hours to eat, initially, I'm going to be candid with you, I overate everything under the sun and used those three hours, right? But then I gradually got better once I understood how these particular foods that I was eating was affecting my wellness, even though I was keto, quote unquote, right? And the binges became less and less severe because I grasped the understanding that if I'm going to eat for two or three hours, it's really kind of ridiculous to put all this garbage in. So for people who say that having restricted eating or a restricted time frame of eating doesn't help them because they're restricted. And I go, well, that may be so, but if you change your mindset to say it gives you much more freedom, it puts parameters, you know when you're going to eat, you know, you know what you're going to eat, that frees up so much mental space. That really, really is true because I know for a lot of us, back when I was eating all day, before intermittent fasting and having to make food decisions all day, as soon as I finished eating one thing, I was thinking about, wonder when I could eat something else. What should I eat? When will it be appropriate? What? I was always thinking about what I was going to eat next. And with intermittent fasting, that is gone. You know, sometimes I think, what time am I going to open my window? But then I think, okay, what's my schedule? And I decide to open it, but I'm empowered. The difference is feeling empowered when I'm going to open, how long I'm going to keep it open, and then then you can work with what you're having inside that window. Yes, yes, it works for me. And this is the longest I've ever done something that was healthy and it gave me the results and the clarity and it just doesn't overwhelm me. I love that. So when you started in 2019 and started the clean fast, you you know, four to six months in, made that transition You were keto at that time. Are you still keto now? Or how has your eating kind of morphed over those years? Because it's been a few years. Yeah. So I have to say that, yes, I did start with keto. Yes, I did try to make everything standard American diet like under the sun, but keep it keto. You were like making things out of (laughs) keto, but that would like mimic. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. Like crafting your mashed potatoes out of (laughs) cauliflower, right? And that stuff stinks. And I don't like cauliflower. can't do it. (laughs) But you know, all the cheeses, all these things, right? Things that I didn't even like, I was trying to make and eat. And then finally, I would say probably at the end of 2019, I got real again because I kept getting triggered. I kept getting triggered. There's a sweetness here, yada, yada, yada. And in January of 2020, I decided to go carnivore. Okay. And that's where I got my biggest shift because my weight had stabilized for about a year. It had stabilized. And I was like, there's something more going on here. So I went carnivore in January 2020. And then 
that created the transformation that I needed physically as well as mentally. I saw everything come together. But what I was still doing, Jen, is I was still having off days where, oh, it's Easter. I'm going to eat everything under the sun. Oh, it's my birthday. Oh, oh, oh. And the last time that I had an organized binge was in August of 2020 because I had went through some assessments for a program. And then I finally understood, just like alcohol for a few years of my life was quickly becoming my second addiction. And I made a conscious choice during that time that I needed to stop because my daughter was about 12 and she was seeing me drink on my weekends, which was the weekday back then. And I had to make a conscious decision on a Thanksgiving. I took her to a liquor store with me. I left her in the car, of course, because she couldn't go into a state store. I ran up to the door. The door was locked. Holiday were closed. So I was like, oh, we'll just jet across the parking lot to Safeway and I'll grab a bottle of wine and whatever else we need. But I looked at her and I finally saw what I was doing and the example that I was giving her. So I had made that decision at that time that to leave alcohol alone, to quit imbibing. And just because I just didn't want that tug of war and I chose food. I could totally get it. And I'm at the point right now, I I think I don't drink anymore. Like I've been talking about it since 2019, but I think I finally don't drink anymore. But I just had Sherry came to visit with our friend Christy. Shout out. Hello, Christy. And also, hello, Sherry. But (laughs) I don't even think Sherry listens to this podcast anymore. But you know, they drank while they were here. I didn't drink at all. And I like, I opened a bottle of my favorite champagne, poured some for them. It was Sherry's 50th birthday. And I didn't have a wistful feeling of, oh, it's my favorite. I was just like, poured it for them. And I had something else. And I'm like, I'm a non-drinker now. But I totally get, once you make that decision for real, it's a powerful feeling and it feels so good. Yes. Yes. And just to gradually shift and understanding the cross addiction. And then, like I said, I believe it was August, 2020 was my last organized binge. And I finally got it that there are some foods that I can never touch just like alcohol because of my tendency to want to keep going and keep going and keep going. So even though I was binging, off and on. I was still fasting, right? I was like, oh girl, you got from this time to this time, let's just go. But I quickly got it together and it took me about a week to kind of get back on track to get all the sugars out of my system in that August of 2020. And ever since then, it's been a pretty smooth OMAD ride. I work out fasted. I do everything fasted. Now I know that you teach that we should probably shift the board a little bit on our fasting window times, you know, just periodically eat a little bit more, eat a little bit less, or open your window a little bit longer, a little bit shorter, just to kind of do that. But for me, I can go 22 to 28 hours with no problem, right? But it works best for me to have pretty much that same window every day. Well, let's dig into that a little bit. You know, why would someone need to switch it up? You only need to switch it up if you are not meeting your goals with what you're doing. If you do 22-2 every single day for the rest of your life, the exact same window, exact same time, you're in the body you want, you feel good, you're not trying to lose more weight, you don't need to change up a thing. (laughs) The reason you would want to switch it up is if you are 22-2 every single day, your body is adapted to it, but you still want to lose 50 more pounds. Put any number in that blank. I just threw out the word 50. But if you're plateaued at a weight higher than you want to be and you're doing something very, very rigid, your body has probably adapted to that, that's when you need to switch things up. But that's not the case for you, is it? No, no. So see, yeah, do exactly (laughs) what you want to do every single day. There's no reason not to. It doesn't matter if your body adapts to something and you like where you are adapted. Okay. That's the okay. goal, actually. Okay. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. Uh, hopefully that helps. So you're carnivore now. So in 2021, this is the kicker. I tried to reintroduce foods back into my palate, right? Just to see, okay, I've cleaned it out. I understand where I'm at. So let's try food reintroduction. Now, my biggest thing was cashews. I love cashews and almonds, right? I used to buy the individual servings so I wouldn't go overboard. Then it became two individual servings. Then it became three. Then it became a container. 
So I learned that it's better for me to have a very simplified diet, just stick to meat and eggs every day. And if I'm really, really hungry, then that's when I'm going to eat a hamburger patty, scrambled beef or whatever I have in the fridge. But because I knew I was coming on here, I did try the experiment with cheese, right? Because, you know, they say cheese can kind of bind you up sometimes or you have tendencies to crave cheese. So I bought all this cheese and I had ate like forever, forever, forever with my meal. I don't miss the cheese. I don't need the cheese. I didn't gain weight. So it was all good. So cheese experiment. I totally understand nuts. Yeah. Um, my podcast is now sponsored by Wonderful Pistachios. Oh. Which is so exciting because I, <laughs> like, when I was a little girl, I didn't talk about this in the commercial that I just recorded for pistachios, but when I was little, I used to eat pistachios. Like, I was really little, and my two favorite foods were olives and pistachios. But do you remember when pistachios were red? Yes, yes, And you would yes. eat them, and you'd be like red. Your fingers would be red. Your teeth would be red. Your face would be red because they used all that food coloring. There's some kind of story behind that, and they stopped doing it, thank goodness. But I totally understand about nuts. But they just sent me this giant box of pistachios. It was like all these different flavors and bags. And luckily, I can just eat a handful, and you have to crack them. So. Okay, that slows That's it okay, down but... a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just out of curiosity, are you blood type O? I have no idea. You don't know your blood type? Okay. The reason I bring that up, you know, we're different. Bioindividuality. And, you know, I read all the Eat Right for Your Type blood type diet books because I read everything back in the day trying to find what would work. And a lot of contradictions within his work. And I do not believe it's as simple as just what your blood type is. But going back to his work, which, of course, blood type is related to genetics, of course. And blood type O people were supposed to eat a lot of meat. I'm blood type A. So I'm like, you know, while Sherry was here, she's over there like, I'm craving some meat. I got to have some chicken. I got to have some meatballs. I'm like, I don't want to eat that. Give me more, more plants, you know, (laughs) but I genuinely believe your body lets you know, like you feel better right now eating carnivore or meat. Yes. And the food noise is gone and it feels fabulous and amazing. Mm -hmm. And I can have one meal and I'm done. I'm done. And then, like you say, hunger is not an emergency, right? It totally is an emergency. But when I started understanding that it really is an emergency, you know, I quit packing this stuff in the car and in my purse. I don't carry a purse anymore. I just carry a wallet, a phone wallet. But I mean, it was everywhere. I remember, Jen, for 23 years going to work. Now, The corrections facility provided us meals, however the inmates made it. So when I learned that during my training, I was like, "Mm -mm, I'm still packing food from home. As a teacher, I wouldn't want a meal that the students had cooked. I don't know. (laughs) Right, right. I mean, there's some fine lines. It's either the vending machine or nothing. But I would literally pack like a suitcase of food. Forget my uniform because that's in the, my uniforms are in the locker. I went in in civilian clothes, but now I forget water. I can get bottled water there, but a suitcase full of food. I had a lot of lunch boxes. Yeah. Yeah. I had, and they were like monogrammed because I live in the South and it was like my monogrammed lunch boxes and they're coolers and all that. And I would pack them full. Yes, uh-huh, I get it. Yes. And then ice blocks, you know, the, the ice blocks that you put in there to keep it cool. I threw all that away when we moved after I quit teaching. Trash. <laughs> I'm like, how did we do it, Jen? How did we do all of that? It was a and lot we of were work. still overweight. We spent so much time in the kitchen and it's like. Really? So now I don't do anything. I go everywhere without food. I come back home when I'm ready to eat. I just take my water cooler with me and that's it. My water Freedom. jugs. Yes. Yes. Love it. Although you got to be able to get some water. That's the thing. Good water. It's not as easy always as you think it is. Like traveling at the airport, trying to find sparkling water at the airport. Well, you spoke about your water jug, your water filtration system with somebody because you were like, well, it's not necessarily filtered coming from the refrigerator. And I went, "Uh uh-oh, uh-oh. So that very night, I went out and bought two water pitchers. What is it called? I have the zero water. That's the one. I need to get them to sponsor my podcast. My shoulder pain went 
away. I mean, I know I might not have talked about that in a while because it's gone. My shoulder pain completely went away when I started filtering my water. And then I actually, I mean, I don't know what was in the water around here. I have no idea. We are down by the coast. Just the other day, I saw some graphics somewhere about PFOS, I think, whatever those chemicals that get in the water, one of those forever chemicals. And it was like a hot spot of where those are. And interestingly, I mean, it had like Charleston, South Carolina. It had like a North Carolina, like Wilmington, North Carolina. But both of those are coastal towns. So I wonder if it has something to do with here. I am at a coastal town where all the water from everywhere runs down towards the coast. So we probably have a lot of junk in our water here. I don't even know what it is. But since filtering the water, my shoulder pain is gone. Yay. And didn't you think it was cheese or your bed or something for a while the way you were Yes, sleeping? I noticed it kind of went away as I was doing the whole food plant-based experiment. But that was also when we moved away from the one house to the beach house. And I think I was, and it also the cold weather, I think I was drinking, anyway, I think I was just drinking different things or whatever. But when I completely started filtering the water, it was completely gone. You know, it's hard to find that cause and effect. You're like, what's changed? What's different? It took me a long time to come up with it. It was the water. And can I tell you something? You know that blue thing that that you stick in the water? Isn't that a miracle thing? Okay, but look, Jen. Okay, so I bought two, you know, filtration systems or two whatever pictures or whatever. And I was like, okay, let me do this experiment. I'm going to record it. Da-da-da-da-da. Girl, let me. I didn't realize there was a cap on there. Oh. several attempts. I was so frustrated. I'm like, I'm taking this ish back to Target. Everything's a zero. What? (laughs) No. You got to take the cap. Nothing was working at all. Yeah. yeah, You got to take the cap off. But it really shows you that that picture worked. You put it in my tap water, gave a really high number, and then you filter it through and it's zero. And I had a different filtered water pitcher first before I got the zero water that had like really, really, really expensive cartridges. And I'm like, you know what? I could order a zero water pitcher for cheaper than getting a replacement cartridge for this other filter. So I think I'll try that. And I tested the really expensive filtered water. It was not zero. Ooh. And then I asked Chad, you know, Chad's a chemist. And I said, is there any way this could be like fake or showing us something we, we think? And he's like, oh, no, it's measuring. And he told me what it was it's the, from the chemical point of view. Like, I can't remember what he said. He's the chemist, not me. But he's like, yeah, that's it's taking it out. It really is. So I felt good. Okay. okay. <laughs> but you can't fake that it has a big number and then it says zero after you filter it. That's true. It feels like you're doing something good there. Well, thank you for that because I appreciate it. And then I have to say one of my granddaughters, I have two fraternal twin granddaughters. They're seven, seven now, I think, <laughs> losing track of time, seven years old. And they were up in my bathroom and one of them knocked, because I had a smaller pitcher, knocked the pitcher over because she was trying to get water. So I just lost it. I was like, I had a hard time with this and now you, da 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 So they're both screaming and crying. And I'm like, it's not that serious, but I moved it over because I didn't want you guys using it without me helping you. So now they uh, know how precious it is to me and I have to help them with it instead of it's them It's a heavy little it. pitcher. It, yeah, I pick it up. I'm working my muscles there. Yes. <laughs> well, that's fabulous. So, how much weight have you lost overall? I know you said that in the past, 180 was your set point. Yeah. So, for years on end, I had arrived at 300. Then I got down to 190. Then my weight went back up when I was going through perimenopause. And at 50, that's when I had just hit my rock bottom and said, What's the use? Yada, yada, yada. So, at that point, my scale said, 238.8 exactly and then I turned 51 in September of that year and then I just kept trudging ahead and now my weight is happy at 175 so I think that's like 68 pounds 65 68 pounds so there's periods of time I have a home gym I go to hot works and I go to the Y I need the variety the stimulation even as I get older This past January, I was told that I couldn't run anymore because there's no cartilage in my knees, right? So they said if I can keep running, but I would be due for a knee replacement sooner rather than later. So I decided at that point in time that I needed to find alternatives 
And I went through a depressive state during that too, because of the release and stuff. So I just joined the hot works community and I'm still, you know, at the gym and I have my, is that a hot yoga, hot work. So yeah, it's like different. They have like seven or eight different activities that you could do. Right. And you're in a sauna, so you can pump the sauna up to about 125, 130 degrees and work out. Right. So I'm totally into cycling, into spin there. I'm a little tall, so I just use my roar at home. But I love it. It's been a part of my therapy. So some people say exercise doesn't work for them, but for me, it's a must. I absolutely get it. And I I think exercise is a must for everybody as far as well-being. You know, we need to move our bodies. We need to build muscle as we age. You know, we're women in our 50s. We want to age well. You and I both intend to be strong and vibrant and healthy for at least 50 more years. And you gotta, you gotta move your body. You gotta build the muscle. The thing is, is that for me, exercise never led to more weight loss, but that doesn't mean that exercise isn't important. I just, I never once started exercise and lost more weight because of it, but a lot of bodies do. It just depends on your genetics and how your body responds. So honestly, I don't think that exercise played a very big part in me ever losing weight, but what it did was it just helped me with, you know, my anger, my frustration. It helped me in that sense. I find that if I get bored, I'm understanding that being bored is okay. It's okay, but it's a part, it's a symptom of my depression as well. Yeah, but it's really good for mental health. Exercise is great for mental health. And, you know, I've seen research that it can help relieve depression as much as prescriptions more, that it's, it's great for mental health and well-being. So we should definitely figure out a way how to move our bodies that we enjoy and work on maintaining and building muscle as we age. That's super, super important. So I just wanted to make sure to get that out there. But it might not make you lose weight, but it might. I think we know if you're somebody who needs to amp up the exercise to really lose weight, you know that about yourself. And if you're like me and it's never been one time you've noticed a weight loss increase because of it, you know that too. I love to move my body and be active. I'm probably going to swim in the ocean. (sighs) I wish I could say that I was envious, but I don't like water like that. (laughs) No, I get it. Not everybody does. And our water's been crazy this year. It's been after the hurricane that hit in October. Our beach shape is different. So when the tide comes in, the waves are stronger than I've ever seen. There's like knocking people over. (laughs) Watch out. (laughs) It's really a good workout, let's just say. But it's so much fun. It feels like, you know, like you're alive. But Will came out of the ocean on jaw 4th. He was swimming and he was like, that was a lot. I'm like, yep. (laughs) (laughs) He felt it. He felt, he's a 23-year-old male and he felt it. So So I love that you're at 175 now and you're feeling good. And I bet you have a lot of lean muscle. But I can see of you, I can see you from the shoulders up. You look very lean to me. You know, I do. And I do a DEXA scan anywhere from two to four, five times a year because as we both know, the scale doesn't tell us the complete truth, right? Yeah. It's not everything. It's the way your clothes fit. It's, you know, how you move through life and whatnot. So I use the DEXA scan for the lean body mass and all that good stuff to just make sure that I'm staying where I need to stay in the body fat percentage and stuff. So that's another tool in my tool shed. That's a really good tool to have. So you've noticed like you're maintaining your lean muscle mass and your fat has gone down. It has gone down tremendously. It's gone down. And I really appreciate that because like I said, the scale, I had one of those scales that calculated your water, one of those expensive scales, your water and your body fat and your weight. And I was just like, oh, let me just give this ish away. So I gave it to my daughter and just bought a very basic scale and said that using the DEXA would just be my parameter as far as body fat. Well, I think that's more accurate because the ones at home, they use bioimpedance, which they run a current through your body and it can be off for what they say. They're not completely accurate in what they're telling you, but I think a DEXA scan is a whole lot better for that. But, you know, the reason I wanted to bring that up about maintaining the muscle mass is because... Sherry and I are going to talk about this the next time we record our new podcast, Fast, Feast, Repeat, Intermittent Fasting for Life. I love it. I'm so glad. We are so excited. We love doing it. But so far as people are seeming to really, really like it. But we're going to talk about there's a 
well-known person in the intermittent fasting space, connected with an app. He's a doctor. He has a very, very widely listened to podcast. And he has all of a sudden started talking about fasting makes you lose a lot of muscle, so I no longer recommend it. And we've been digging into that. I mean, it's getting so much attention that my brother-in-law, who's an intermittent faster, called me and said, "Uh, I just heard. I'm so nervous now. I'm like, don't be. So Sherry and I, when she was here visiting me, we dug into Why is he saying this? Why is this doctor saying this? And what is it based on? And we found out he had been doing a seven-day fast frequently, once a quarter a seven-day fast. And he'd also been doing 72-hour fast at least once a month. And to him, fasting was like extended fasting. And I'm like, okay, well, now it makes sense. Mm -hmm. If you're fasting Mm -hmm. that long, your body has to burn something. And so, yeah, you're more likely to burn muscle. (laughs) So, okay, now we get it. But with intermittent fasting, what we're doing, and you're working out your muscle, you're feeding your body well. I know you're eating, you're definitely eating sufficient protein because you're carnivore. Your body's not going to burn muscle mass. You know, we've all heard Dr. Jason Fung say your body's not stupid. If you've got firewood, you're not going to chop up the sofa and burn the sofa. Right Right on, right on. Anyway, I wanted, I want to keep getting this message out there because when a big voice out there in the world, who's always promoted fasting, and he also has a new book that's out. And in the book, he talks about it, burning muscle instead of fat, that he's talking about extended fasting. And if you read Fast, Feast, Repeat, you notice I tell you not to fast beyond 72 hours unless you're under medical supervision and don't do it because you want to lose weight faster. Extended fasting is not for weight loss. Yes. It's like, whoa, Nellie, it should be on a therapeutic level with supervision, like you said. And there should be a specific reason like cancer or, you know, weight loss or da 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 da. But under supervision. Healing reasons. It made a lot more sense why he saw muscle loss because he was doing really long fasts. But then people just hear it and they think intermittent fasting, but doing the daily, you know, 19.5 with a five hour eating window and you're, that's not, that's not going to happen. Not <laughs> but it does freak people out. So we're going to talk about that on the next episode that we record. And I think it'll be episode seven for anybody listening who's wondering. Okay. Well, I'm obsessed. I think there was a time that you changed your stories from one a week to two a week. And it used to be like on Wednesdays, right? Now I can't remember. I think it was Thursday. It came out on Thursday, but then it became Tuesday and Thursday. And this is the thing here. I don't know what happens with the Pacific Coast or whatever. I wake up looking for it on Tuesdays and Thursdays, right? But for some reason, I didn't go to bed till like crazy late last night because I was excited to be here. But it popped up and it showed, it just aired an hour ago. I was like, oh, I'm listening to Jen. I listened to it twice. The young lady with the accent, I think it's Valeria. The Italian? Mm -hmm, Mm-hmm. I love her so much because Valeria Ramundi, I think is her name. Because I interviewed her a while back, but she, I love the way she found intermittent fasting. It was because she was the translator for Fast Feast Repeat in Italian and yes. started doing it. Yeah, she was great. I loved hearing her story myself. It, it made me really excited, but I'm glad you love the podcast. I love doing them. And people have asked me, are you going to quit doing this one now that you have? No, no, Thank this you. is my first love. Thank intermittent you. fasting stories is my first love and it's not going anywhere. And I still plan to do two a week. Okay, okay. <laughs> but the yes. new one is just because, you know, people kept asking. People kept asking. We miss you with the question and answer format. Please bring that in. I thought about bringing it into this one, but I need a co-host for that. And Sherry and I work so well together. You know, and she brings in a, a different perspective. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash Wondery. Code Wondery. Sound the gifting panic alarm. We've all been there. You need to find the perfect gift. You have absolutely zero ideas and you don't know where to start. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. 
Just answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like, and Gift Mode gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Imagine pages of artisan espresso mugs for the coffee connoisseur in your life. Or for the pickleballer, customized paddle covers in every shade imaginable. Etsy's got you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try gift mode on Etsy now. Something I, I might think of, and then there's something she might think of, and it's completely different. So I appreciate it. I like this first podcast that you guys did together for so Life long. Lessons. Yes. Yeah. And then I was almost crying with Miss Sherry when she was like, She might bring that one back. Now, she really might bring it back. She would like to. I just can't do three podcasts. Yes. (laughs) So, you know, if she wants to bring it back, and she might, and I really highly encourage her to do it, and she's thinking about who might co-host it with her, and it is a lot of work, but, you know, she may bring that one back, and I definitely encourage her to if she wants to, but right now, Fast Feast Repeat is is going really well. And I'm digging it, girl. I'm digging Good. it. Well, I'm glad yes. that you also loved life <laughs> yeah. lessons because yeah. the thing about life lessons, it just hadn't grown. You know, we did it for two and a half years and it was just staying the same and it wasn't growing. And so, you know, for me, it's fine to do a hobby podcast, but for her, she would like to build yeah, <laughs> I know, gotcha. something too. And you know, she would like to make some money from it. And so with a hobby podcast, you're not making any money. Right. I got you. <laughs> it's a passion. I got you. Well, yeah, it was her passion yeah. and she was yeah. loving it. And, you know, I hate to say, you know, that making money is a motivation, but we all need to make money. In order to live. Yeah. In order to live. And it takes a lot of money to produce a podcast. And it takes a lot of time. And so... I want Sherry to be blessed with making money doing a podcast. Yes. And it will <laughs> Not, happen. Yeah. It will. I think so too. Mm-hmm. And we already know Fast Feast Repeat is going to be good because, you know, we we can get sponsors, we can have advertising, and when your podcast is large enough, but Life Lessons just wasn't quite big enough to appeal to sponsors. And that was the problem. But I, I know Fast Feast Repeat is going to be. And then Sherry will be blessed. That's yes, my goal. She will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you're a listener. So, you know, it just makes me really happy that you have, I can just tell your whole personality is light and full of joy. Would you say that your life is full of joy for the most part now? It is full of joy because I've known so much darkness, right? And the darkness that I've known to compare to the light that I see now, I know that I have options in life. I'm my own best advocate, right? That anything outside of me doesn't really bring me the joy that I need. I can only do that for myself. But yeah, yeah, it took a life to learn that. That's the point of life, right? And I think we have the contrast of the bad things in our life to show us the good things. Yes, yes. Tell us some of your non-scale victories or some of your health victories. Okay, some of my non-scale victories are my compulsive overeating, binging, sugar addiction, food addiction. That's in remission. I'll never say that I'm cured of it because I know that it's a continual process. So that's in remission right now. I advocate for myself. Now, this is the funniest thing. I have a very loud mouth. I'm very outspoken. Don't hold my tongue. Corrections was the right place for me. I told the inmates, however you want your service today is how you come at me is how I'm going to come at you. So I never had a problem speaking my mind and I still don't. Right. But as far as advocating for myself, saying this does not serve me and understanding that I didn't have to give an explanation for it and being able to listen to my own inner voice. So that is an unscaled victory. I'm no longer mooding. I just walk away, child. I just walk away. If it's going to wreck my nerves or nerves, <laughs> I just walk away. I don't have yeah. to stand there and argue with you, Sam, and my dog and my grandchildren. I ain't got to do it. Okay? Okay? I just walk away, girl. Walk away. So I no longer have mood swings. And then again, my depression has lifted and rarely makes an appearance. And when it does, I recognize it for what it is and say, thank you. But now let's to go do this, right? And then I have increased energy, self-esteem, and just more of balance. I'm well-rounded. And I really think intermittent fasting helps us with that because, you know, we've got this period of the day, we're no longer eating. And so we've got to figure out, okay, well, how am I going to manage my emotions and what am I going to do? So someone early on, especially if they have struggled with emotional eating 
for whatever the reason might be. It's a habit. And now you no longer have that habit. So now you have to feel your feelings and deal with your feelings. And so finally, we can deal with something. You know, moving stuff around and not dealing with it doesn't really help in the long run. And putting a Band-Aid on it, something that soothes it, something that pushes it down. But realistically, that problem or that issue, whatever, is still going to be there, right? But we can't keep eating food in order to accomplish working through that problem or feeling those emotions. Because the emotional eating might stuff down the feelings, but they're still there. And they're going to come right back up and you still have to to deal with them. Maybe like, you know, if you have to pay your bills, you keep putting your bills over here where you can't see them. You're going to have to pay them one day, right? <laughs> or be out on the street, girl. Well, just moving your bills around and hiding them <laughs> won't solve the problem. Right, right. <laughs> so, you know, the emotions are like that. But intermittent fasting gives us the time to really deal with them and and sit with them. And that's not always easy. And it's not something that people solve overnight. You don't just start intermittent fasting and then bam, you're dealt with your problems. Some people have a period of time where they mourn the emotional eating and they fall back to it and they may have the binging. But I always think that we need to be gentle with ourselves and just say, okay, well, let's see what just happened. Why did that happen? Instead of feeling the blame game, understanding and and loving ourselves, coming from a place of love. Yes. It's kind of like the best friend or how would you take care of your child? You do the same thing for yourself, right? We're our own worst critics, but I think we should become our own best friends. That's how we change and grow, you know, by stop bullying ourselves. Right. Exactly. Well, we are really running out of time, but what would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish when you first started? So what I wished when I first started was knowing that it was going to be a long, tumultuous road, but it was worth it and that I didn't have to keep reverting back to the behaviors that I was engaging in, right? So with the intermittent fasting, it frees up so much time, so much energy. Let's allocate that with something else. The biggest thing is don't give up. There's always a solution for every problem. Don't give up. And intermittent fasting can work for everyone, every diet protocol, even if you have families, if you're an individual in a home or you're a couple and you could separate whatever, it can work for everyone. The thing is you need to find out how intermittent fasting can work for you. And what you do today, you're not going to do three years from now. It's going to get refined with time. I always love that the cute yeah. newbies. <laughs> Shout out to the cute newbies. We were all cute newbies one day. And they'll be like, I'm on day four and I have figured out that my ideal window is. I'm like, no. <laughs> You have not. It's day four. Talk to me on day 40 and day 400 and day 4,000, and and it's going to be different. After a couple of family reunions and Christmas seasons, you're going to figure it out. You will figure it out. But I love what you said about don't give up. And, you know, I also want to really point out that part of your story is you needed to change completely what you eat. You needed to do that. And that's the empowering part of figuring it out. And I think probably everyone starts intermittent fasting with the idea of, I don't want to change anything that I'm eating. But eventually you realize certain things are not serving you well. And you gravitate towards what makes you feel your best. For me, that is very high in plants, very little in the meat. I'm no longer ordering any meat, by the way. The meals that I order I'm not ordering any meat in the meals. I'm like, Chad, you're on your own. If you want some meat, get some meat. I might eat meat when I'm out if I want to, but I'm not ordering any more meat. But But you you add butter, right? Oh, yeah, I definitely (laughs) add butter. (laughs) I'm definitely not whole food plant-based because dairy, dairy and eggs are still going to stay. But it's what feels best. You can trust your body. You knew that you were not doing well with the sugar foods and the foods that made you compulsively overeat. And you had to, like, parent yourself through that. Yeah, it was a vicious cycle. But like you said, you didn't want to. Most people don't want to change what they eat. And I always say you don't necessarily have to change what you eat. Just change maybe the time frames. Like you said, give your body rest, this, that and the other. But with time, you're going to want to eat something different. So that's what happens almost universally. And you might fight it and you might be mad and you'd be like, 
sugar makes me feel like crap. Why do I keep eating it? But eventually, like me and the whole alcohol thing, like alcohol keeps me from sleeping and I feel awful every time I drink. And then I would do it again. Even a, one glass of wine, I wouldn't sleep well. And I'm like, I can drink wine. They drink wine in Europe. Wine is good. And <laughs> but then I'm finally like, what? No, no. And for me, it was alcohol. For you, it was the sugar. Or for somebody else, it might be, you know, whatever. And trust yourself to be able to say, hey, that's not serving me. Whatever it is. Absolutely. Yeah. And you'll win every time that you listen to yourself. That is wisdom right there. Well, Rose AJ, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your story with the world. Oh, thank you. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember, I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. In 2001, less than a month after the 9-11 attacks, the U.S. and allied forces invaded Afghanistan. The goal was simple, hunt down al-Qaeda and its leader, Osama bin Laden, and unseat the Taliban government that sheltered him. But even though the Taliban was quickly removed, negotiating an end to the war turned out to be a much bigger challenge. Despite some of the world's best negotiators working tirelessly for peace, all sides were never able to come to a negotiated agreement. And in 2021, 20 years after being ousted from power, the Taliban took back control of Afghanistan. So why did some of the world's smartest and most experienced negotiators fail for 20 years to mediate a peace deal in Afghanistan? The Afghan Impasse, a special seven-episode edition of The Negotiators, a podcast from Doha Debates and Foreign Policy, looks back on the players, politics, and strategies that contributed to one of the biggest failures in modern peace negotiations. You can listen to The Negotiators, The Afghan Impasse, exclusively on Wondery Plus. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify.